Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Last week I spent the podcast talking about the principles and practices of delegation and promised that this week I'd have a look at the actual process of delegation itself, how you delegate effectively in a one-to-one session with your member of staff. So these are my top 10 tips on how to delegate effectively. Okay, this is actually mainly about communication and being particularly effective in giving a clear brief. So although I'm um, putting it in the context of delegation, it actually works really well for all clarifying brief activities. So it's, it's a good practice to get into whether you're delegating or not. Anyway, he, these are my top 10 tips on the delegation process itself. Tip number one, provide the delegatee with a quick outline of the task coming up. Give them a a header, an overview, so they know pretty quickly the general direction and idea behind the task that's coming. Don't overwhelm them straight away with detail. Just give them a, a big picture, the landscape of what's coming up. Then I think this is really important, why them? If this is a delegation, this isn't part of their normal duties or responsibilities. This is a fresh task, a new task, and they'll be thinking, well, why me? Now, of course, if you listen to last week's podcast and took on board the development through delegation process, they would know because they volunteered to be developed through delegation. But if you're not using that process and they don't know why they've been chosen, then it's really important to tell them and to tell them fairly quickly. So work out your reasons for choosing them for this particular task, why you think it's it's helpful or a good match. Tip number three, then you need to give them the purpose behind the task. You're now getting into the task itself. So what's the significance or importance of the task? They need to know that too so they can be fully motivated for that particular task. Tip number four, Provide the detail, the infill, what actually needs to be done. Now, I'm going to talk about this in a bit more detail later on um, with tip number 10. But for the moment, obviously, there needs to be some agreement around the detail. So this is the step at which you provide that detail. And tip number five, within that detail, there may well be some standards to be met or some constraints to be worked within. So that could include a budget limit, it could include a deadline, a time limit, it could include a consultation requirement, make sure you talk to A, B and C. You need to specify those particular standards or constraints. Remember this person is getting this task afresh, they don't know these things. Uh, And that implies too where key resources might be. You may know that a particular folder they need to consult is uh, three from the back in the third drawer down in the filing cabinet or in a particular electronic file. But they're not mind readers. They don't know what you know. And some of the things that you take for granted in doing this task regularly, they haven't a clue about. So just put yourself in their shoes and think, if I were doing this completely new, without any previous thought or warning or or background, what would I need to know? And make sure you pass that on to them. So tip number six would be to be clarifying your support role in this process. Yes, they'll be doing the task, but you've got to provide whatever support is required to ensure that they do that task really well. So for example, do you want to have a regular meeting? 
If so, when and where and for how long? Uh, do you want to be on tap, which is they contact you if they struggle with anything? Or do you want a more close supervision where you keep an eye on things? So work out what kind of support you and they want you to give. Make sure that that's clear and agreed. Tip number seven. This is my three C's checkout. When you finish all of that and you're ready to kind of give a thumbs up to the whole process, check three C's. Are they clear? Do they have a clear understanding of the brief and the task? Do they feel capable? Do they feel equipped and skilled to do what's required to the level required? And do they feel confident? Do they feel this is something that's within their jurisdiction and within their, their overall abilities and, and regime? So do they feel up for this? Do they feel committed? So are they clear? Uh, do they feel capable? And do they feel confident? Or if you prefer, committed? Then this is a really crucial point that is not done in my view well enough. Tip number eight. Invite them to come back, let's say, within 24 hours call a second meeting and here's why when you give a brief the person is really fully concentrated on simply understanding the brief are they getting the picture they'll probably take notes only afterwards do they give it further thought and new thoughts start to emerge i didn't really understand that point oh there's a bit of an ambiguity here does does he mean or does she mean this or that or oh i've got an idea there maybe i could do it this way i need to check that with them so there's a real difference between receiving the brief and then thinking and reflecting about the brief later everybody receiving a brief will do that but then they haven't got permission or the opportunity, a managed opportunity, to go back. I think you need to anticipate that as the delegator and say, take it away, have a think about it. I may have left things out or there may be some uncertainties or you may have your own ideas to add to that. That's great. Let's meet again at 10 o'clock tomorrow, just for 15 minutes. See if you've got anything else you want to, to talk through. That gives them real confidence and reassurance that they can come back with their own ideas and questions. You see, what happens conventionally, and I've had experience of this, is that if, if somebody gives a fairly complex brief verbally and, and I and others are taking down notes, the person giving the brief will often say, OK, fine, as a question, and there's sort of a, 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 a reluctant silence, but a bit of a nod. And I've thought, well, I'm not that clear, but nobody else is saying anything. So it's probably me. I might just be a little bit off the pace. So I don't want to make it look like I'm not up for this. So I won't ask the question for that reason. Or, as I grew more confident in my role, I might have thought, actually, I'm not that bad at listening to briefs and understanding them. It's just not a clear brief. The person who's given me this brief, my manager, actually isn't good at this. You know, there are gaps. There's confusions. He said something and then contradicted it later on. I'm not happy with that, but if I say something now, especially in public, I'm going to make it look as though he's poor at something, poor at his job, and I definitely don't want that. So often when people are receiving a live brief, they're stuck between the rock and a hard place. The rock is they, they don't want to appear thick, and the hard place is I don't want to look as though I'm criticising my boss, especially if there are other people present. So everybody just goes, yeah, yeah, sure, fine, fine. 
And then when they come out of the meeting, they talk to each other, which is safe, and say, have you any idea what that was about? Are you okay? Are you clear about that? I'm not. Well, you're asking each other as if you could resolve that. And of course you can't. The only person who's got any kind of information to give to clarify what you're struggling with is the person who gave you the brief. So it's really important to understand that people don't in the brief often ask if they're confused or stuck or have a different idea. Give them permission to go away, think about it, come back. So that's tip number eight. Book a return follow-up. Tip number nine. So when they and you feel like they're ready to go, you might want to call a final meeting before they commit publicly to the task, which I call the sign-off meeting. They present back to you their plan, what they think they're going to be doing, when, where, how, why, with who, just so that you can sign it off. Now that gives reassurance to both of you. You get the reassurance of having the final approval glance of the task to see if it if it meets your requirements so you get that chance to to look it over before it goes live and they get your reassurance they get the sense that you've seen it they've you've looked at what they've produced and you're happy with it so win-win both of you get the reassurance you need from a final sign-off meeting and then tip number 10, this is the one I, I said would be coming up. Think about your own role as a manager and in particular your management style. There are three classic styles you might have which will affect how you organise and provide this, this brief. You could either be directive, collaborative or empowering. And let me take you through how you would do the briefing if you were in any of those three roles. If you were directive, then you would have prepared the brief, ideally on paper, possibly copied so you could give it to the delegatee, and it would be fairly one way. You would be telling them what the task is in a fair degree of detail. There wouldn't be much opportunity for the delegatee to comment or ask questions or offer their own ideas. And once it's underway, you're more likely as a directive delegator to stay close to the task. So you might have more of a supervision role, an overseeing role, on top of the task all the time, with regular meetings. So a directive style of management will be a bit top-down. Clear, hopefully. Quick, yes, but a bit top-down. And, and risk the chance that people who are confused or have further ideas may not offer them, because they've been placed in a relatively passive role. Now imagine you're a collaborative style of manager. Then it's much more likely that you will have called a meeting with the delegatee and had a general discussion. You'll have given the overall headline and then invited some comments and you'd have had a conversation about what the brief should be where they, the delegatee, will be contributing probably as many ideas as you, the delegator. It's collaborative. So it's fairly democratic and both parties can chip in. And once the brief has been agreed, and not imposed, but agreed, and written up and shared, then it's much more likely that the two of you will have arranged what kind of supervision and support you are going to provide. So it will be, again, within the brief, part of the agreement. So this style is much more collaborative and open. It might be a little bit slower, but you've probably got the buy-in of the delegatee. And then if you're an empowering style of manager, this might happen. You might give the delegatee the headline, 
so they have an idea of what's required, and then you leave it to them to come back with the detailed brief. You say perhaps something like, have a think about it today and let's meet again in the morning, where you present back to me your thinking and ideas on this task. So there's real ownership and understanding by the delegatee because they're doing the work around the infill of the detail. You might give them some headings like, can you have a think about standards and constraints and deadlines and budgets and so on. Give them every opportunity as early as possible to come up with their thinking. Then, of course, they present their thoughts back to you as the brief for the task. They will have suggested what kind of support they want from you and, and how you resource the task, how much of it is left to them. And probably the level of supervision you give is more on tap than on top. They're likely to say, yeah, I'm happy to get on with that. I'm, f I'm really clear about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. But if I do need some support or help or I've got some questions through the process, then as long as I know I can come and see you, then that will be great. So you're placed more probably in an on tap rather than an on top role. So I hope you see that your particular style, your management preference will determine how you deliver that brief. So the steps I've taken you through will probably occur whichever of those styles you use. But how you do that and who has most ownership, I think varies a lot depending on whether you're directive, collaborative or empowering. So that's it. Let me just recap the top 10 tips again. Tip number one, provide an overview, a headline for the task. Tip number two, clarify very quickly why they should be doing this, why you've chosen them, the reason it's coming to them. Tip number three, explain the purpose of the task so they understand its significance or importance and then provide the detail in tip number four, fill in the detail so that there's real clarity around what's required. Tip number five, ensure that any standards that need to be met or constraints that need to be worked within are clear and known to the delegatee. Tip number six, clarify your own role as manager, what kind of support you'll be giving, what kind of regular communication you require. And tip number seven, before you move on, are they clear, are they capable, and do they feel confident? Those are the three C's to check. Tip number eight, importantly, arrange for a follow-up meeting before they get going, so they've got a chance to clarify anything they're not sure about, having thought about it, or to ask any questions, or to offer further ideas and suggestions. Tip number nine, before it goes live, have a sign-off meeting so that you and they are both reassured and confident that what's planned to happen is the right thing. And tip number 10, think about your role as the delegator. Are you going to be directive, collaborative or empowering? Because whichever role you are in will absolutely determine the way in which you manage the process. So that's it. I hope you found that helpful. And once again, thanks for listening.